Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Do you have extra Bibles in your home or at your office? Do you have maybe some unused devotional literature that is just taking room on a shelf? Well, did you know many times that material can have a second life? Here on Exploring Missions today, we want to talk about that. And a uh, matter of fact, at one place, they're called love packages. And uh, along with me is our co-host, Nathan Harper. And Nathan, it's not like it's recycled, but it's used again, isn't it? Literature, it's, yeah. it's amazing. Printed material, we take it for granted, but it's a valuable commodity, isn't it? Yeah, uh, we probably get so much junk mail. And, uh, you know, recently I heard where people have thrown away their uh, stimulus cards thinking it was junk mail, which, I, you know, you can understand how that might happen. Yeah, we're, we're kind of inundated here in the U.S., in the West, with printed materials. I don't know what happened to the concept that going digital, you know, with email and everything on a uh, digital device would uh, allow us to become paperless. But I think it's actually done the opposite. It seems like there's more paper than uh, ever before. And uh, even gospel-centered biblical literature, we all have lots of it if we, if we you know, stop and look for it. We kind of just take it for granted. You're right. Yeah. Well, in our interview today, we're going to see about some individuals several years ago that saw the value of material that was just laying around in churches many times, in churches They'll all order material for their small groups. They'll get too much, and they just set it aside, and they set that aside. And uh, there was a group of people that looked at that and said, you know, I wonder if it could be used. And they found out English is so, I guess, uh, used in a language in many countries. You know, English is a second language, and people want to know it that they could even ship that to foreign countries so that it could be used. So we we found that. So that's a little bit of what we'll be talking about in the interview. But in looking at a biblical concept, uh, recently uh, I was studying uh, the book of Colossians. I love the book of Colossians, and I think it's because it was the smallest town that Paul wrote a letter to. I called it the Mayberry of the New Testament, right, yeah. you know, of small town. You can identify with growing up in a small town. I can identify yeah. with growing up that way. And and so I've always been intrigued by the book of Colossians. And at the end, it really gets intriguing because he mentions two other towns close by. And l- let me read this passage, and then we'll go back and get the other, the third town. This is in Colossians chapter 4, verse 16. It says, now, when this epistle, the letter that he was writing to Colossae, is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of Laodicea, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. 
we have a letter that Paul wrote that's not in the New Testament canon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yep. church at, now God would later write to the church at Laodicea, would He not? Right in Revelation, using the Apostle John, they would get a copy of that, and even an, an address, basically straight from Jesus to the church in Laodicea. And you know, we don't know. You can speculate, but we don't know how many letters all these uh, churches in these cities and even small towns received from various apostles. What we have in the New Testament canon is what God wanted for us to, you know, to be preserved, for us to be able to read. But, um, you know, there was a lot more correspondence going on than what we probably imagine or think. We know there's a third letter to, to the church at Corinth right. that Paul even refers to. We don't know all the, but that is so important. But here, I want you this letter to be read at the church at Laodicea. Don't just keep it to yourself. Yeah. You catch what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So here we have maybe some Bibles that is still in good shape, but it may be, quote, in a version that you don't prefer. You know, a lot of folks like the NIV or the ESV. You know, there's so many. Seems like there's a new translation, a new version coming out all the time. People switch in their preferences or they'll try one out for a season of time. Just personally, I have several different copies of, of the Bible at my home. I do as well. Do you remember when you were being ordained and somebody asked you what version of the Bible you thought was the best? Do you remember your answer? I do. I'm not sure. May, I, I have an idea, but I'm afraid to say. Well, you said the one they're reading, if it's not just one or two. Okay. They, there's that too, and they're, you know, they, they're they just not good. Mm-hmm. They, they do. But you said the one that they're reason, reading now is what yeah. God would use in their life. Yeah, that's what I tell young people. Folks are asking, what's the best translation for students or young people? And it depends. Do they have a copy first? If they have a copy, that's the best one. Then it's got to be one that they can understand because there's so many, there's various reading levels. So it depends on the individual student or person's uh, reading level. And so if you can read it and you can understand it, then you can obey it. And so that's what that's what's expected of us. Well, I remember you being asked that, and some of those guys looking around, they <laughs> it took them off guard. I, right. I love that answer. But here, the church at Colossae had some issues. They say for his history, Gnosticism hadn't had time to completely develop, but you see some of the roots yeah. of it oh, in, yeah. in, the, in the church at Colossae. Yeah. And he said, I want that to be read to the church at Laodicea. Now, we don't know what he wrote to the church at Laodicea, but later on they would leave their first love. Now, let's, let's talk about the other third city is mentioned in verse 13. Right. Hierapolis. 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 Yes. And uh, they're real close together. Some people, in I read one place, they called them the Tri-Cities. Mm-hmm. They were that close together, and it looked like there was some dependence on one another for their trade and even water to yeah. a certain extent. Yeah, I had the privilege a few years ago to, with my wife and uh, some friends who were serving as uh, mission workers in, in Turkey. We got to visit Laodicea, you know, the ancient ruins and, and excavations going on there. When you're in the, you know, the ruins of uh, Laodicea, you could look uh, north, and Laodicea is on the, uh, the north face about halfway up of uh, a group of mountains. And you look north, and you're looking out over a valley. And then you see another 
group of mountains just north of that valley, and you can actually see Heriopolis from Laodicea. And so it's just a maybe 15, 20-minute drive down the highway currently. And then Colossae would, would have been about that much distance to the east through the valley. So you're right there. There's lots of these groupings of cities, and we read these names in the New Testament, and we don't have a concept of really how close a lot of these were. Right. That's what would happen when churches were planted. Here's the thing. The gospel, and this is an important miss, missional concept to understand, the gospel always spreads through social networks. That's how it, No matter what that No matter network. what it is, and that's how the gospel enters into new communities as well through the social networks that are already existing. Someone that hears the gospel, puts their trust in Jesus, starts spreading the gospel then into their existing social networks. And in the, these days, Laodicea, Colossae, Hierapolis, a lot of those would have been business-oriented. You know, you could call them trade routes if you want, although it wasn't very much distance. There was a lot of business happening day-to-day in, in each of these towns and cities, and people would intermingle and talk to each other and socialize, you know, for whatever reasons. And that's how the gospel spread. That's how these churches get to be planted really close to each other in uh, sometimes in the same time frame. And a lot of letters of the New Testament then were meant to be distributed, if you could call it a circular letter from Paul to, it might get Colossians' name on it, but it was meant to be read for the churches nearby. The churches of Galatia were certainly that way. It was written as a... Obvious, sir. Yeah, it was a regional letter. It was a regional letter. And so when you have literature that proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ and some discipleship, missional ministry, don't throw it away. You're going to hear about how this ministry, Love Packages, redistributes this material to others. And just, you know, some, and I had the concept, well, it's English. Why do it? But you work as a missionary people come into America and wanting to learn English as a second language. It's not just in America that people do that, but on the mission field, people, many times the missionary has an inlet to teach English as a second language because it is so well accepted throughout the world. So we're praying that you would really enjoy this ministry of love packages and distribute it because the love of God is read aloud and through the social network that you were talking about, people will gravitate to it. People want to know that they're valuable, that they have value to God. And through this literature, they're able to do it. So, Nathan, people need to look at their shelves, <laughs> go in there and say, well, I've been keeping this. Well, why have you been keeping it? Maybe time to share it, mightn't it? Yeah, I agree. I was privileged to several times to be able to teach English as a second language to someone who uh, you know desired that and use, using the Bible as a textbook. And at, at first, they might be thinking, oh, this is just a good way to uh, learn English. But in the real sense, you know that, the God, that God's Word is powerful, and the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Appreciate you listening to this testimony about what God's doing and can do with your Christian literature. Our guest today on Exploring Missions is Stephen Smith, and he is with a ministry that talks about getting Bibles, other biblical literature all over the world. 
It's love packages, isn't it? Love packages, yes. Love packages. Okay. And uh, your headquarters up in Illinois and in Alabama. You we got have two, two warehouses. Places. We have two warehouses, one in Butler, Illinois, and one in Decatur, Alabama. Well, Stephen, tell us a little bit about the ministry first. I just said about the literature, getting it there, but... Give us a well, in the spring view. of 1975, I had a little stack of decision magazines from Billy Graham and some daily devotionals and some old Bible sitting in the corner of my dining room. And every time I walked through there that spring, God pointed his finger at me and said, Steve, you're wasting that. I don't know whether you're like I am or not, but I argue with the Lord sometimes. And so I argue with the Lord for about three months and I told him I was going to use it to prepare lessons and stuff like that. He said, no, you're not. You're going to leave it sit there. You're going to spill a Coke on it. You're going to throw it away. Now do something with it. And I told him, I said, Lord... These are four years old. I don't, who do I give them to? Who wants them? Well, long story short, I knew some men that had just graduated from a Bible college and were going home to their home countries, Nigeria, Kenya, India, you know, various different places. And so I wrote them a letter and I said, can you use English literature? And if so, how much and how soon? Well, it seemed like the letters were only gone a couple of days. The letters were back and said, yes, we can use as much as you can get here as soon as you can get it here. Well, I was really naive, didn't know much, you know, and I didn't know everybody had a bunch of stuff. So my wife and I just started collecting stuff of our own and from our own church in the basement of my home. And that first year from August to January, we sent 60 little boxes to these five guys. Thought we were doing something great for God. But as I would go to the Baptist chicken dinner (laughs) or the Methodist pancake supper and sit with people in the community that I knew and they would say, what have you been doing, Steve? And I say, I've been collecting old Bibles and Sunday school material and stuff that just people throw away and and send it overseas. People don't have any. And they went, their eyes got great big and said, wow, we've got a whole closet full of that stuff. You feel guilty if you throw it away, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and here's the dilemma. You know, most churches, you know, they, at the end of the quarter, they have all the Sunday school literature. They either put it in a closet and keep it for five years and then throw it away or they, or they throw it away right away. And then they, but anyway, so people were saying, can we bring ours over? Can we bring ours over? And my poor wife, that first year, man, we had stuff in the front porch and the back porch and the living room, the dining room. We had stuff everywhere. And. But she's still with me. We've been married 49 years, so she's been a great help to me. But uh, the second year, we did three and a half tons out of the basement. Then the next year, seven tons. And then 11 tons. I grew the basement, went to the double car garage. And it's grown to this year in 2020. Our goal is to ship 2,020 tons of literature in 2020. So 2020 and 2020 is our goal. Now, most people don't understand the need that there is all over the world. I mean, they just don't right. have a clue. There's pastors still today all over the world that don't have a copy of a Bible. In America, we just, that's so foreign to us. We can sit in our pajamas and get on Amazon and have it delivered to our door the next day, you know. But it's not that way uh, all over the world. Right. Well, let me see. It's English. Most of the time, it's English that you collect. Yes. Well, we do collect other languages. We get French and Spanish and yeah. things, and we target those places that can use it. But you'd be surprised the number of people that read and speak English around the world. There were, in Africa, for instance, there's 22 nations that their predominant language is English. You know, if right. I, when you go to Zimbabwe or Zambia, they were both English colonies at one time. And so, you know, everybody that's went to school in the last 45, 50 years has learned English, you know. And so there's a large English-speaking population there with no literature. And India is 30% English, 25, 30% English. So that doesn't sound like a big number, but they got a billion, 300 million people. So 30% of that is more than the people of the United States. Right. 
So you got the Caribbean islands, you have the Philippines, you have Belize, uh, Guyana, South America, all English speaking, and all with no literature. So what we do is still only a drop in the bucket of the need that, that there is there. Okay, what you collect, Bibles, we know. What else? What else would be? You said decision yeah, magazines. You, I know that. But. Yeah, I'll give you a brief rundown. We yeah. take, we'll take any and all Bibles, Bible portions, New Testaments. We can never get enough Bibles. Every one of my literature distributors everywhere in the world beg us for Bibles for every load. Can you give us more Bibles? We need Bibles. We desperately need Bibles, you know. But we also take reference books like concordances, commentaries, Bible dictionaries, pastors' libraries, regular dictionaries. You know, I mean, most Bible colleges overseas don't have any books. I was in Lusaka Baptist Bible College. They were training 100 students in the ministry. Okay, they took me around and showed me after I was teaching and, and so forth and so on. And they took me into their library and they showed me their, their, this is our library. They were so happy with it. And it was like two feet of books. That's what they had for their college library for 100 students. Right. Okay? And so Bible colleges all over the world have no books. We take all your Sunday school literature, the quarterlies at the end of every quarter. We take your daily devotionals like our daily bread, upper room, open windows, in touch. Uh, Son, you're familiar with every denomination there is here, open windows. and Yeah. Day- <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been doing this a long time, it 40, sounds 40, like it. 44 yeah, you know years, it. Yeah. and I know all the publishing. And yeah. we collect from the publishing houses, too. We collect from Lifeway and right. all those. But we'll talk about that maybe in a little bit. But uh, I'm still running down the things we take. We take flannel graphs. I mean, people don't know what to do with flannel graphs anymore. Man, they're useful overseas. We take CDs, DVDs, and we take a few Christian magazines, not a lot, but the ones that would either give us a testimony or teaching in it, not so much ministry news and political events right, and things like that. Right. Well, let me ask you this. When they get there, who distributes this among the people? Is it a church, local church, or well, we a ministry, or missionary? Yeah, well, what we've done is, over the years, we try to set up distribution points where we can send large amounts into a particular place. And so, in one country, it might be the Evangelical Fellowship of a particular country. Another place, we've just started working with Samaritan's Purse, different places around the world. Operation Christmas Child. People. Right, yeah. And so, we send it into their distributors, and so they are... They know what to do with it? Yes, uh-huh. Or... Uh, Every Home for Christ we work with in many different nations. So uh, we work with people that's already on the ground, already know the country, already know the people in the country. I only have six staff. <laughs> I have three in Alabama and three in Illinois. And all, all the rest of the work that we do is volunteers. Wow. Why would people rather do that than send it themselves? They wouldn't know where to send it, would we? I wouldn't know. If, you, if, I, if I went through well, my Well, first of all, it's, very, it's cost prohibitive for okay. you. Okay. About four years ago, you could send a package through the United States mail, and it would go surface mail, and you could do it for $25, $30, something like that. But they did away with surface mail, the United States Post Office, and now they only do air mail. So this one little tiny package will cost you $150 now. Not very cost-effective, right. you know. Now, we don't send small packages anywhere in the world. We send ocean-going containers. Okay. Uh, this is what we do. We send uh, two on average, two ocean-going containers, 20 to 40 tons of literature every single week. So we pack these containers. We pack it from the floor to the ceiling, from the front to the back. We pack it solid. There's no space left in it when we get done. Seal it with a seal, pray over it, and send it. And so we send it to a distribution point, and then they 
distributed out to their country. We have a color code system. You know, if you come and volunteer, you know, we dingle, bingo dot the top of the boxes, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so this box is a red box, which means there's reference books in this one. This one's black box. So it's Bibles in that one. This is books. This is Sunday school literature. And so they're able to distribute it out in their country. That well, answer that question? Yes, it did. You was talking about suppliers. You was talking about Lifeway and others. Mm-hmm. Have you have you connected with them? Do they have overruns of literature? Yes, we we pick up from nine right now. Nine major publishing houses. All the leftover curriculum at the end of every quarter. And so David C. Cook, um, Lifeway, Union Gospel, R.H. Boyd, Smythe and Hules, various different publishing yeah. houses. So at the end of quarter, they call us, say, we have these things. Can you come and pick them up? And they want it out of their building quickly, you know. Yeah. And so we pick up all the leftover materials. And so we rely on volunteers to come. And you can go to either place. You can go to the one in Alabama or one in, in Illinois and work, you know, a day, two days, three days, five days. You can work. Uh, we have youth groups and men's groups and women's groups come in. You know, last year we had over 3,000 volunteers that came and helped us. Well, how, how, do, how do they know how to get a hold of you to come and help? Our website is lovepackages.org. Okay. And uh, it's got all kinds of testimonies. It's got the kind of literature that we take. It's got uh, on the front page, in the middle of the page, there is a video on it. I think it's an eight-minute video or something. That's me. I'll walk you around and give you the nickel tour. Right. And show you around and show you what we do and how we do it. That is amazing. So it's when, lovepackages.org in case okay. they missed it the first time. When when the people get this, this love package in their country, uh-huh. they're able to distribute it then themselves. So you collect, you send to an individual or to a ministry. And we don't send to individuals hardly ever, but it's a ministry or, or a, a, a ministry. network of ministry. So yeah. it's not just one single missionary. Yeah. It is to It's the, too much literature. Too I mean, we're talking literature. about a half a million pieces of literature. Wow. In each load. Yeah. At least. Okay. So, How have you been, have you, what do you hear? You know, you're talking about the testimonies. Yeah. I know the testimonies are those that would give and bless by giving. What about those that are receiving? Do you hear any word from them? Oh, yeah. We get we get testimonies every week. Now, all the literature we send, none of it has our name on it. So once it gets past our distribution points, once, twice, three times, nobody knows it ever came from us. <laughs> yeah. And so God's got a lot of stories he's going to tell me one of these days about all the literature and how it was used. But but we still our distributors try to collect stories for us and send to us because that encourages us. And, and so we enjoy that. But we do. We get testimonies. Every week, you know, from all around the world uh, of people's lives changed, healed. Just recently in, in Zimbabwe, there was a, a network of churches, 13 churches. They had one Bible. There was another network of 19 churches that had four Bibles. And so they sent us pictures of all these Bibles that was given away to the leadership. They didn't have enough to give to the congregations. You know, but just for the leadership, and you should have seen their faces. There was one church that got 13 Bibles so they could have for members of their congregation, and they prayed for five hours just thanking the Lord yeah. for the Bibles. Wow. You know, I, and we have people that walk 15 days to come and get a Bible. We, I could just go on and on and on and on and on. Well, is there a premium lot for Spanish-speaking, I mean, the language? I mean, English, like you said, has been taught. And Yeah, but, we ship into Spanish-speaking countries, too. We ship into Dominican Republic, Guatemala, Honduras. Uh, we just shipped a load into Panama to the Assemblies of God. So, so if there's people out there who are listening today and they've got a lot of 
Spanish language literature we'll like take you any to, language. We'll, we'll take try any to find, language. We'll, we'll try to You'll find, find a, a place for it. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, I just got 10 cases of fire Bible from a Chinese fire Bible that somebody sent us that they had left over. And so uh, we're going to send it into Thailand and it's going to go across the border into China or there's Chinese people, you know, that are there, you know, yeah. so it'll be used. Wow. Well, when you say this and you talk about the languages and everything, does it matter the kind of literature again go over that again i want everybody to hear the bibles and you want we never can get enough bibles bibles would be a premium right yes and we always encourage every church that we contact you know to do a bible drive you know aunt matilda died 20 years ago and you still got her bible on the shelf nobody's read it in 20 years why don't you give it to somebody and honor aunt matilda by giving us the bible you know i mean there's pastors all over the world that don't have one still and so we take any all Christian books. I don't think I said that earlier, but Chuck Swindoll, Charles Stanley, Billy Graham, Johnny Erickson, you know, all these good books that you've right. read and you're not going to read them again. You know, I want them. Uh, you know, we'll put them into a reading room somewhere in Kenya and there'll be 278 people read that book before it's wore out, you know. So they can go on your website if they wanted to send it by mail to one your, your one of your two locations, they could do that. Yes, absolutely. Or and if the, they're close to Illinois or Alabama, they could bring and it to you. And we even have people sometimes take a little vacation. They drive through Illinois or drive through Alabama and drop by and, and, and drop it off. And we're there Monday through Friday from 8 to 4.15, and they can come by. And we also have drop boxes or buildings out in front of our place that they can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week uh, and drop it off if they want. But you can mail to us. And that's what I get nine tons of mail a week at my place in Illinois. And the people in Alabama get uh, six tons a week uh, from all over the country. I, I get literature from every state in the Union, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, Canada, Guam, that people mail to me. And then we sort every piece. We take out all the good housekeeping magazines and love letters and electric bills and all the cult material, <laughs> you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and all that kind of stuff. We take all that stuff you out. And, yeah. And so that's part of our ministry, too. We take a lot of stuff out of circulation. What if you get a Bible that's got your information in it? Uh, when you were born and everything, do they need to tear that out or do y'all guys take it care of that? It doesn't matter. I'll tell you, you got a time for a little short story? Yes, go right ahead. Okay, there was a guy came with a group uh, from Carlinville, not very far away from us. And uh, I always tell stories about Aunt Matilda or whatever, you know, and, and once you give that Bible away in honor, you know, well, his mother had died just a year previously and he had his mom's Bible. And so when he got home, God started really get after him and said, I want you to give me that Bible, you know, and send it overseas. And, and he said, but it's my mom's Bible. I don't want to do that. You know, I just, you know, I just, you know, and so four yeah. months, he just argued with the Lord. And so finally one day he'd come over and he, he told me, he says, I want to give this Bible to you. It's my mom's Bible. And you send it overseas and let somebody use it. And so, I mean, we had a lot of stuff. So we just kind of, I mean, we're not disrespectful, but we just pitch things, you know? Yeah. And so I pitched it in the Bible bin so somebody could pack it and I really made him mad because it was his mom's Bible, you know. And, but I didn't know he made him mad because he didn't tell me, you know. But he was—he told everybody else how mad he was because I disrespected <laughs> his mom's Bible. And so about six, seven months goes by, and he got a letter from a pastor in South Africa. And he said, I just got this Bible about a month ago. He said, 
It is so wonderful. It is so precious to me. It is the best treasure I've ever had in my whole life. He said, I've never had a Bible all the time that I've been in ministry. This is my first one, and it's so precious. He said, I've been taking it everywhere, and I've led 72 people to the Lord using this Bible. Thank you so much for it. Well, then he was convicted. <laughs> I've been mad. <laughs> had to get things right with you then. Yeah. Huh? But I didn't know he was mad. Yeah, so he right. came over and stood in front of me. He said, I need you to forgive me. And I go, for what I, you yeah. know, what I, he said, well, I was really mad at you. And I go, oh, geez, what did I do now? You know, I, and he, and so then he told me the story. Wow. Stephen, it's been great to have you. Blessings. Let me Thank share so this much. with you. You've been listening to Stephen Smith. Yes. If that's German, it is German, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. And it's love packages. packages. Love packages. And, uh, and the website is lovepackages.org. And you can find out more about that. Thank you for being with us here on Exploring Missions. And we praise the Lord that you are taking the Bibles from a neighborhood across the street to the world. To the, what a ministry. The earth, yes. Thank you, Stephen. You're welcome.